Hello and welcome to The Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Dairy Beef 500 advisor Sean Cummins to get an insight into the recent Dairy Beef 500 farmer study trip to Spain. Sean, you're very welcome. What did you see on your recent trip? Yeah, so catching 14 farmers left for Barcelona there the, the second week of November to primarily see how uh, Spanish calf to be operations work. Um, over the course of the trip, we visit a number of farms in Catalonia region, so up in the northeast of Spain. Um, we really wanted to focus on the calf to be for calf to rosé veal units, but we also seen a number of suckler to beef units that are in operation over in Spain. And what were the main differences you've seen between Spanish and Irish beef production systems? I suppose, Catherine, what was really noticeable was um, the, the, the carcass specs which they're aiming to produce across both systems. So if we look at what they're trying to achieve, they're trying to achieve a product that meets consumer needs. And their consumer requires a, a paler coloured meat that's lean. So what they're doing is they're killing the animals at younger ages. Um, and in addition to that, we're seeing that they're they're aiming for a lighter carcass weight. So carcass weights that we typically see here that be penalised. So in the region of two hundred to two or two hundred and twenty to two hundred and forty kilos, they're actually wanted by the marketplace out there. And as you pass the two hundred and eighty kilo mark, penalties are actually introduced or lower price lower price points are introduced for these. Sean, over the course of the trip, you've seen a lot of dairy beef systems in Spain. What did you see and learn? Yeah, I suppose, Catherine, it really stems down to the, the differences we're seeing in the carcass specs they're looking for first is that uh, Spain, it, it's nearly producing for the domestic market. So if we take the Irish situation, the bones in nine out of ten cattle are exported, whereas in Spain it's nearly the inverse. So uh, one out of every ten cattle roughly is exported. But when it comes to what we actually seen on the ground, Catherine, um, we've seen some very, very good calf to beef and calf to rosé veal units. And I suppose it's worth mentioning that we had great help from Cecilia Ruiz and Seamus McMenon for what being organising the trip. So unlike Ireland, catching all animals are housed. So calves arrive in and they never leave a shed until they're slaughtered. Grazing does occur in certain regions within Spain, so particularly up the north. But the, re- the farms we're visiting in the Catalonia region are mainly operating feedlot systems. Um, on these farms, there were, all animals were basically offered ad-lib diets, um, ad-lib concentrate diets, and you're generally looking at a meal input over the lifetime, 1.8 to 2 tonne. In terms of the way they were buying the calves catching, so calves were coming from a mixture of sources, so they were coming from the domestic herd within Spain. There was calves from France, Germany, and Irish calves on some of the farms as well. So when we look at it, the calves are typically purchased depending on where they're coming from, between 45 and 60 kilos. Um, in the import, the calf have a preference for the heavier calf, so a calf that's over a month old. So catching approximately 56% of the calves imported to Spain are French origin. And from the time those calves leave the farm, um, their origin farm, to the time they arrive in Spain, it's travel time about nine hours. The Irish calves account for about 8% of the market out there. And from the time they leave Ireland to the time they arrive in Spain, it's travel time about 24 hours. Um, from the farmers we met and talked to over there, they were very happy with the health of the Irish calf. And I suppose when we look at the total imports from Spain in total, uh, about 65% of all animals brought in brought into the country under two months of age and the remaining 22% are between six and 12 months. Can you describe the different types of animals and breeds that you've seen on the farms? 
Yeah, so catching the sort of a, a switch happening in Spain, similar enough to what we might see here over the next couple of years, and that there's more of a focus on beef type animals coming on stream. So if we look at the situation over there at the, at the minute, about 55% of all animals are Holstein Friesian. But to try and improve feed efficiencies, they're actually focusing more on beef sired animals. So they're looking for a more continental sired animal. Um, as it stands, these beef sired animals account for about 45% of all production over there. Um, and 35% of that 45% are heifers. So their systems are generally bull dominated with about 85% the beef and the dairy beef units uh, coming from bull beef. And can you outline the production system for those then, please? Yeah, so when you look at the way they're operating the system, Catherine, milk feeding stops approximately approximately eight weeks of age over there. Um, there's a major focus, so they're, they're pushing animals on concentrates. They're trying to kill the animals at younger ages. So there's a major focus on trying to get those calves eating milk as quickly as possible. So they're offered a, a starter concentrate from the time they arrive up until about 12 weeks of age. And when they're getting as much meal into the calf as possible, it means the calf is consuming only about nine kilos of milk replacer on average. Um, I suppose if we compare that to an Irish situation, they, they probably have the temperature in their benefit in that the calf doesn't have as much of an energy cost uh, as it would here due to lower temperatures, but it's a system that works well for those farms. Once the calves reach the 12-week the point, catching the start moving on to a growing diet, so that's a high-protein diet, and they stay on that diet up to about 32 weeks of age. At 32 weeks of age, then they're introduced to a finishing diet, and from that point, from anywhere from that point, once the, the desired fat scores are achieved up to 44 weeks of age, they're slaughtered. And what they're aiming to produce is an animal live weight of about 400 to 470 kilos. Um, when we take about, or when we think about the situation on the ground in Ireland at the minute, like we're looking at meal costs in the region of anywhere from 400 to 450 a ton, generally it was pretty similar over in Spain, and they were hovering around 450 to 470 mark. And when you put that into context and you look at the cost of their systems of production, um, the calf purchase price typically accounted for 5% of the total costs. Their feed was high at 56%, but again, that's coming from ad-lib concentrate diets and it's coming from uh, the 1.8 to 2-ton meal input over the lifetime. And when we look at what they were actually spending on veterinary and medicines, it's about 5% of the total cost in the system. I suppose there's been a change in Spain and a couple of farmers know it on the trip over the last 20 years and that they're actually starting to move or they have moved away from from slatted housing catching. So 7% of animals in Spain are now housed on slats. Um, previously, that figure was a lot higher, but the last 20 years, they changed. And now it's nearly all bedding. And the, manure, the manures that are produced are recycled in the compost are used as organic fertilizer and tillage crops. Um, the, the, when we look at the way the animals are housed as well, so the space allowances can vary from time to time throughout the year. So during the hot summer months, space allowances are essentially doubled. But generally, you're looking at three, point, or three to, to five metres squared for finished animals. And Sean, I suppose some of the units that you visited, they were quite sizable as part of the tour. Can you comment on how they managed the labour on the farm, considering that the animals were housed for their lifetime? Yeah, so Catherine, um Generally, when you look at it, they were generally working the systems of about one to one and a half labour unit per thousand head of cattle or thousand head of cattle finished. 
And the sheds that, that they had were set up in such a way that meal feeding was all automated. So if you had a 10-span shed, there was 10 meal bins with 10 augers working off the shed feeding each individual each individual pen up along. Um, the forage, so unlike Ireland, the, the, they've no wet feed, so there's no silage essentially. What they were doing for forage was essentially just dropping in a, a bale of straw every so often up along the shed to each individual pen. And as that straw was, was eaten, we'll say it was moved or an, an, an extra bale was put in on top of it. What was surprising catching was there was actually no diet feeder seen on any of the farms. And in terms of the automation when it comes to bedding, like the, some farmers questioned the working involved in, in bedding with straw, but straw blowers were using on the farms we've seen or the majority of the farms we've seen. What was interesting on all the farms we've seen as well, Catherine, is if we take an Irish shed, for instance, we have the feed barriers to the front and feed barriers to the back or trucks to the back in a lot of cases for dairy beef animals. In these systems, there was actually a, vlo- a viewing platform the whole way up along the front of the majority of the sheds. And that was, just to put it in context, that was about the height of the feed barrier, the external feed barrier on an Irish shed. And what that meant was the, the operator, whoever was working at the farm at the time, could easily check the animals in each individual pen without having to go into them. Um, it, it meant that they were able to pick up on animals very, very easily, or sick animals very, very easily catching. And in addition to that then as well, all the pens had access to a handling unit back. So if an animal was sick in one shed, they never actually had to travel over the yard to, to receive treatment. They were just moved out of the shed and into the handling unit. Um, the calf rearing facilities catching were pretty similar to what we're seeing in Ireland. The majority of the calves are actually fed through teeth feeders on the farm we visited. Um, but you could tell there had been a lot of thought put into the process of feeding calves on farm to try and make it as labour efficient as possible. So in some farms in Ireland, we'd see that where the milk replace restored is nearly an afterthought in that I have a free shed here, I'll put that there. But all the farms we visited, the milk replace was actually in the shed right next to the calf iron shed. And from there it was mixed, the water heaters were there, and from there it was mixed and moved in motorized milk carts to the calf feeding stations. So huge thought put into labour, Sean, overall on the dairy beef systems. But you mentioned earlier you also visited a number of suckler systems. Can you describe how those were operated? Yeah, so catching um there's 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 a number in the Catalonia region, there's a number of operators who actually purchase calves from the north of Spain. So the suckler herd is predominant predominantly based up in the north of Spain. And they're buying those animals at 200 to 250 kilos. So they're a continental bred weighing and um a continental bred win and predominantly limousine charlotte there's Aubrax and partenese mixed room as well and they're offered ad-lib meal diets again what they're aiming for or the, the rose veal market again but they're aiming for a live weight output of 540 to 580 kilos at slaughter and those animals are fed for approximately six months if we look at the cost of those systems so the calf to beef rose veal units the calf purchase cost accounted for about 10 percent of total um, whereas when we looked at the cost production of of the, the suckler to beef or uh, cow to beef as they call it out there, the animal cost actually accounts 50% of the total cost and feed costs represent 50% of the total cost. That's great, Sean. Thanks very much for the insight into the dairy beef and suckler beef systems in Spain. Thanks, Catherine. That's all for this week's episode. And my thanks to Sean for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages.
Until next time, I'm Katrin Egan and thanks for listening.